the 200 level, episode 257, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a President's Day morning, enjoying my day off work, and usually we would begin and end with Illinois basketball. We will get to that, but Jawan Howard is sort of the thing going around, and I had plenty to say about that yesterday on Twitter, and I wanted to lead the podcast with the Jawan Howard situation, which is something that I have not seen I know that Woody Hayes was a name that kind of went down in infamy if you weren't an Ohio State fan. And as a kid learning that, oh, right, he was a really good coach and then he got fired for throwing a punch at a kid or pushing him, whatever it was. It's on the video. I could go back and watch it. But Woody Hayes, kind of a name that lives in infamy. And, you know, I am certainly prone to hyperbole and I can be reactive. I think as fans, we all have that propensity to do that, depending on the situation. So yesterday I'm at band practice. First time we played since September, so it was nice to get back to it. And when I get out of the rehearsal space, I see legitimately 44 text messages that I had not yet read. Many of them from Isaac and Trevor, many of them from my family. They were all watching the end of the Michigan-Wisconsin game, which unfortunately for Illinois in the Big Ten standings, Michigan, while they competed for a half, kind of pissed down their leg in the second half, as they have done many times this year. So Michigan stinks. We knew that. Unfortunately, they don't help Illinois out. But it was what happened at the end of the game or in the handshake line. Now, I go through these text messages and I think, well, I wonder how bad this could be. And then I look at the video and in fact, it is that bad. It is that ridiculous. So truly, I have not seen anything like that from a coach. I could go back to the malice at the palace and how crazy that was with Ron Artest. I remember where I was when that happened. I was at TGI Fridays after Illinois, the 0405 team, had just gotten an early season win at the Assembly Hall. And I think James Augustine and a couple other guys ended up coming to TGI Fridays and they're having their onion rings or whatever as this thing breaks out. And even looking over at their table and seeing their faces like, whoa, this is crazy. And you saw that what happened yesterday from tweets like what Coleman Hawkins had and, and Chester Frazier had, they they were watching it too, and they were getting a kick out of it. And why wouldn't you? I want to start with the entertainment value in all of this. We would be lying as Illini fans if we said we didn't enjoy yesterday. We did. Okay, everyone is fine. No one ultimately got hurt. It is just such a sad display for a school that prides itself on being borderline Ivy League. And that's what Michigan is. I, As someone that has been to Ann Arbor many times since I met my wife, and she's a Michigan State alum, but I, I don't have as much of a beef with Michigan as I used to, but it's still Michigan. They're a little bit hoity-toity, so what happened yesterday is absolutely hilarious. Let's start with that. It was fun. It was entertaining. There's a reason that we like to watch brawls and fights and why we couldn't take our eyes off of the screen. How many people, when they watched that yesterday, said, oh, oh God, I I just can't do this. So I'm not going to get on a moral soapbox. That's not what this is about. I morally am not outraged by what Juwan Howard did. It's wrong, and it's a fireable offense, and we'll get to that in a bit. But morally or ethically, am I outraged? Like, oh, think of the children. (laughs) What kind of role model? Okay, blah, blah, blah. That is not really my primary concern. Um, Ultimately, it's pretty damn entertaining. And it's a lot of egg on the face of Michigan. So we we can revel in that, Illini fans. It's okay. It is okay to acknowledge the fact that Michigan looks a fool today. And we'll see what decision gets laid down on Juwan. But no matter what happens... That is a blemish that it will be difficult for him and Michigan basketball to come back from in the near future. Great recruiting classes or not, this is going to follow him along 
as long as he's at Michigan. And I'm okay with that. I enjoy that. It's entertaining. But let's talk about what should happen. Juwan Howard should be fired. I don't understand the complication in this. And what I'm guessing will happen is he will get a suspension for the rest of the year and some sort of administrative leave. They'll make it look as strong as it can be until the point of firing. There's a few reasons for this. One big one, of course, is the fact that he is a Michigan man, and Michigan will do whatever it takes to keep their Michigan man. That is the arrogance that they have up there. You saw them string along the Brady Hoke experience because, or, or fire, or, or I should say hiring Brady Hoke in the first place was an example of the Michigan man arrogance that they have up there. Juwan's no exception to that. And think of the arrogance in, okay, John Beeline, great college basketball coach. We will just replace him with a Michigan man. Juwan Howard, come on down. And it's not like Juwan wasn't qualified for this, but it was a bit of a reach for a program that had achieved so much for John Beeline. They could have went out and gotten a proven college basketball coach, but to them, the Michigan man thing was that much more important. So that is one reason why he will probably not get fired. The other complicating factor here is race, and we need to talk about race. There were only a few reactions I got yesterday on Twitter that were overtly calling me a racist. Immediately, I figured, okay, I better get out ahead of this and say, you know, give, give a little hypothetical anecdote so people know that this is truly not race-based from my perspective. To give you that example, if Brad Underwood did the same thing that Jawan Howard did yesterday, and if there were a pattern of behavior like this, like, you know, Brad Underwood in a post-game handshake line at the Big Ten tournament telling Mark Turgeon, I'll blanking kill you, I would want Underwood fired. Immediately. As an alum, as a fan, it's embarrassing. You're one of the highest paid public institution employees. I mean, I think Bielema might make a little bit more. I think in the state of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh, well, actually, I guess Mel Tucker now, but certainly Juwan Howard is a top four paid employee in the state of Michigan. With that comes a certain level of, I don't know, dignity that you got to carry yourselves with for lack of a better term. And while I know there's plenty of rank hypocrisy in college basketball and college sports in general, you can't do what Juwan did and not get fired. And to not fire him sets a terrible precedent. This is where the race becomes a complicating factor. Institutions of higher education are all about inclusion and diversity. It would be a very tricky spot here for the athletic director of Michigan to fire a black head coach, of which there are not enough black head coaches in college basketball. I think we would mostly agree with that, considering the sport is primarily made up of black athletes. We could use more black coaches in college basketball. That is a complicating factor here and something that I do not envy the Michigan AD. The decision should be made independently of that, but I don't know if it can be. And we will see. Again, by the time this comes out, there may be news, and I'll check Twitter before I get out of here. This is the tricky thing with breaking news and things as they unfold is you just don't know when they will break. So this might be a dated podcast by the time I even get it out there to you. But race is a complicating factor. Michigan man, that's a complicating factor. But ultimately, I don't know how many gray areas there are to this thing. Let's talk about some of the gray areas that people have thrown out there on Twitter. One of them is that Greg Gard put his hands on Jawan Howard. That is objectively true. Though if you look at the replay, what it was is Juwan was passing by in the handshake line. There were some words exchanged, and you saw Greg Gard do one of those, whoa, whoa, hold on a second, and he put his hand on Juwan's arm. Shouldn't have done that. That's fine. But to even pretend like that is enough of an instigating factor for Juwan then to throw a punch 
is ridiculous. And if we are being adults about that, don't give me this, oh, Greg Gard put his hands on Jawan Howard, so he had to defend himself. This is another thing I've seen from Jawan Howard's mouth himself. I felt the need to protect myself. B.S. Your 6'9", Greg Gard is maybe six feet tall on a good day wearing stiletto heels. I don't buy that for a second. It's the same kind of garbage that he threw out there with Mark Turgeon last year after the Big Ten tournament. B.S. So don't get me the Greg Gard put his hands on him, therefore a punch should have been thrown. Or don't get me the um, Juwan Howard was trying to defend himself. Also, let's talk about the unwritten rules of basketball. The idea that Greg Gard calling a timeout with under 15 to go when he had his scrubs in there, getting full court pressed by Juwan Howard, that that was enough to piss Juwan off to the point of, you know, talking and spouting off stuff in the handshake line and eventually throwing a punch. No, not at all. And keep in mind that in the Ohio State game, and I'm glad that someone dug this up, in an Ohio State game at home where Michigan was losing by like 15 points late in the game, with 40 seconds to go, Juwan picks up a technical. Of course, one of his many. And then he ends up calling a timeout with 35 seconds to go, trailing by double digits at home to Ohio State. So, talk about rank hypocrisy. Now, I'm going to tell you in a second what my major issue with Juwan Howard is. But before I do that, we're already nine minutes into this podcast. I got to let you know that we're sponsored by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. Also, 4th and Kirby online at 4thandkirby.com. Plenty of great Illini swag for the stretch run of this college basketball season. Go online to get a vintage-inspired T-shirt, hoodie, or crewneck sweatshirt at 4thandkirby.com. Rector Construction at R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. As the temperatures warm up, time to get your home exterior projects scheduled with the guys at Rector Construction. Great customer service. They'll set it up easily for you, give you a free estimate on any project. That's RectorConstruction.com. And finally, State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at BrianIsMyGuy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is our guy. He can be your guy as well. That's Brian Hansen, your State Farm agent at brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And of course, you can rate and review us at Apple Podcasts. And apparently, now Spotify gives you that same option. So those are all the formalities. And now back to why I don't like Juwan Howard. It should be said that Juwan is, by all accounts, a very charitable guy. He's done a lot of good things up in Chicago. I'm sure he's done a lot of good things and given a lot of money over the course of his professional career. I don't question that Juwan is probably a decent enough guy, but I'm focusing on the coach aspect of this. Things he said and things he's done as the Michigan coach. And there was an inauthenticity, let me try to say that again, inauthenticity to how he conducts himself as coach. That seems to go counter to who he is as a person. That tells me there is a lack of maturity going on there because that disconnect between your personal and professional life and this seemingly, you know, inability to recognize the responsibility that comes with a high paying gig like he has, that is something you don't see that often and you don't see it manifest itself like this. Yes, we've seen plenty of college coaches do worse things. For example, someone yesterday on Twitter said, well, Rick Pitino had basically a sex ring. Yes, and he got fired for it. Rick Pitino is a scumbag. We recognize this. And he got some consequences, and now he's coaching at Iona. Not a super high-class program by any stretch. He's a scumbag. We get it. I don't think Juwan's a scumbag, but I think he's a hypocrite. I go back to some of the things that he said and done over the last couple of years. To give you one example, last year when Michigan 
had their two-week pause, and this caused the schedule to get all rearranged. And, of course, they win the Big Ten outright championship uh, despite not playing three games. And while there were legitimate COVID concerns, of course, going on at the time, there were some things that he said in the midst of this scheduling snafu about, well, you know, another thing is we want to make sure academically that our guys are on top of it. And I immediately called BS. And of course, there were racial undertones perceived by people that I was saying, well, you know, whatever people wanted to read into that. What I was getting at is, Juwan, you are the head coach for Michigan basketball. Academics are the not even the tertiary concern when you're trying to win a Big Ten championship. You were doing this, and you were stringing this along for a scheduling advantage. What I would have given for him to just be honest about that, and I know that's not realistic, but just be freaking honest about it. Yesterday in the press conference, after the Wisconsin game, no apologies. No, he's just given his side of the story, including the fact that, no, it wasn't a full-court press. It was five-man pressure or something like that. Some sort of completely ingenuine response to a question about, well, hey, Jawan, he called the timeout because you were pressing his guys. No, 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 it wasn't a full-court press. It was five pressure or something like that. I'm paraphrasing here. Quit BSing. Quit lying. The fact that he said that he felt the need to protect himself. No, you didn't. Great guard looks like an orthodontist. You did not feel the actual need to protect yourself. Or after the Mark Turgeon affair last year, I'm a guy from the south side of Chicago. You can't on one hand throw that out and then on the other hand say, I need to protect myself against a guy that is a foot shorter than I am. That's not the south side of Chicago. There's a lot of bluster there for a guy like Jawan Howard that I don't think is legit. So you see me getting frustrated with this. I cannot stand hypocrisy and contradictions to that level. Be who you are. If he would have walked into that press conference yesterday and said, Gray Guard was talking this and that, and I was tired of it, and I threw a punch, and maybe I overreacted, but it is what it is. I would have had a hell of a lot more respect for that. But instead, he does this song and dance about, well, you know, he called the timeout, and I wasn't really actually pressing. Basically, a week after, he did the same damn thing to Ohio State. He's a hypocrite. That is what bothers me to the core of Jawan Howard, this guy that can be likable and can be charming and and in certain press conferences can be almost disarming with how he is able to communicate. You get why people would want to play for Jawan Howard, not the least of which he was a great pro and one of the best basketball players in Michigan history, but he can be a pretty damn cool dude too. But I don't think that coolness is necessarily legit. I think it is often performative for him. I understand that comes with the territory being a college coach at this level. But that performative, shiny veneer that he has, I don't buy it. It bothers me to my core. So no, it ain't a race thing. I think Jawan Howard is just a walking contradiction. He's probably a decent enough guy, and I'm not going to pretend like I've done nearly the amount of philanthropic things that he has, because I haven't. So if that's the measure of a man, he's got me beat there. But I try to be honest, and I try to say, here's what it is, even if my thought is ridiculous, and maybe the last two minutes of this podcast were, in fact, ridiculous. And I'll own that. But he doesn't own his actions and his words. That is what bothers me about Juwan Howard. Now, we wait. We wait to see what happens. You know, I was trying to reflect on yesterday why this is such a big thing. You see people try to, you know, they try to finagle these gray areas in this when ultimately it is a fireable offense. (laughs) That's what it is. And if I were to predict what ultimately happens, this will be a suspension for the rest of the year. And then he will be back next year. But I do wonder what kind of damage has already been done for Michigan's program. 
Now, I could talk about Jawan Howard that much more, but I would be beating a dead horse, saying the same thing over and over, and when I start getting redundant, I should probably move on. I do want to start by one thing, though. Six days from now, Illinois plays Michigan. Talk about a scheduling break. All of a sudden, you're going to be without Juwan Howard, and I presume Diabate and Williams the third. Now, if I look at Michigan's roster, and I want to make sure I get this right here, Diabate is someone that really scares me because in terms of a matchup, I don't like that matchup. We saw down here that guy has skills. Now, Terrence Williams the third, or whatever, I mean, that that's not really going to hurt Michigan that much. And they still got enough guys to make that game interesting. But not just the personnel, the fact that they're losing Diabate, which is huge at this point of the year, but also the fact that this could be a team that unravels now. I don't necessarily buy the notion that what happened yesterday is some sort of rallying cry. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if half the guys on the team were like, this is ridiculous. And they're getting tired with Juwan's antics. How could you not? If you're one of the older guys on the team, how could you not think, Jesus, coach, chill out? It's like when you're in school and there's that one teacher that's a hothead and they have one too many outburst in class. And eventually, as a student, you just kind of tune it out. Well, I got to think there's a little something to that. And I don't know if Phil Martelli alone is going to be enough of a rallying cry for them to get a bunch of wins down the stretch. They get Rutgers at home on Wednesday. Then they get Illinois on Sunday. And then Michigan State at home next Tuesday. And Iowa at home next Thursday. Four home games in a row before they go to Ohio State. And technically, they could still make the tournament. But they got to go on quite the win streak here. And I just wonder if there isn't too much baggage on this team. So for Illinois... I think this works out beautifully. I thought that Michigan game was going to be that much trickier because that was a Michigan team on the up. I thought they were going to beat Wisconsin. Well, of course they didn't because they played an entirely idiotic game and there's no backcourt to speak of for Michigan. So they are where they are at this point, and that is to say they're mediocre. Illinois needs to win that game. Now let's take a look at Illinois' remaining schedule. As I look at this and try to think, okay, you got to get four wins in a row in these last four games to secure at least a share of the Big Ten title. By the way, there was a poll from the boardroom, and I think it's younger guys that run that, and I, I can understand why they might be a little bit confused as to the notion of sharing a title if, if you didn't beat the other co-champion. They had a poll, should you raise a banner and should you accept a, a, a co-championship if it's with Purdue when they beat you twice? And overwhelmingly, people in this poll, I think 80% voted yes, of course. And I'll just reiterate, you take the banner, you take the ring. And the way that I'm interpreting this, winning a banner this year is essentially saying the last three years, you were the best team in the Big Ten. I would look at that banner when I go to the State Farm Center years into the future and say that is sort of the, the accumulation of three years worth of great success in the Big Ten, a Big Ten tournament title and a Big Ten regular season title. That is something to be celebrated. So co-championship or not, don't care. Raise the banner. And to do that, you got to win these four games in a row, all leading up to a game against Iowa on March 6th, Sunday, March 6th, 6.30 p.m. tip, and I can taste it. It's so tantalizingly close. I can taste the banner ceremony. Well, maybe not a banner ceremony, but at least the celebration on the court if you were able to win that, your fourth one in a row, and secure a Big Ten title. So here's what you have ahead. And we'll get to the Michigan State game and, and things that I took away from that in a bit, but I always like playing the schedule game and trying to figure out how do you get to those four wins. Ohio State is on Thursday, Thursday night, 8 o'clock. They just had a very rough performance at home against Iowa. And 
I, I look at this Ohio State team, who has, also has to play in Indiana tonight. I think this is part of the scheduling thing that they had. Or, sorry, they play Indiana at home. That will probably be a get-right game for Ohio State. I imagine they win by five or six points. That's what Ken Palm has as well. And then they have to come to Illinois on Thursday and then Maryland on Sunday. So that's quite the gauntlet for them. I think, though, that this is an advantageous matchup for Illinois, even when you factor in E.J. Liddell, who is playing out of his mind. Yes, he scares you, just like Johnny Davis scared you for Wisconsin. Branham, the freshman, he can get hot. Maybe that scares you, too, but I think it's very simple. Trent Frazier needs to guard Branham and keep the clamps on him. If he does that, you win the game. It would take a red-hot performance from him for this Ohio State team to beat this Illinois team. I like Zed Key. Good player. Kofi should have the advantage against Zed Key. And in fact, what Kofi did against Michigan State really encourages me down the stretch. I thought that was in many ways Kofi's best game yet because he got the baskets when they mattered the most. Here is the other factor with Ohio State. Last year was Dwayne Washington and Justice Suing, or Justin Suing, right? Yeah, Justin Suing. Those two guys are the ones that freaked me out the most. They aren't there anymore. We knew that Washington could just light it up, and he often did against Illinois. He's not there right now. Justin Suing could do the same thing. You know, a guy like Justin Aarons is pretty good, but those two guys that are no longer with them, that gives me a lot more confidence entering this matchup. If they were still there and Ohio State was at full strength, I think this Ohio State team would be every bit a legit uh, Big Ten contender as Purdue and Illinois, and I guess Wisconsin. But I think there was always something just not quite there. They were not the most well-rounded roster for Holtman, and I think that showed in the Iowa game. And I would not be surprised if that shows Thursday night. Both teams have a lot to play for. Ohio State is not out of the Big Ten race, but I think that you're seeing a team that is in that next tier after Illinois, Purdue, and Wisconsin. No shame in that. They're going to be a five-seed in the tournament and be very dangerous to the guy like E.J. Liddell. I like that matchup, though, and I'm going to call that a win. Then you get Michigan on Sunday. And as I mentioned before, that Michigan game concerns me even now, but it concerns me less so with everything that happened at Wisconsin. You got to win that game. I would enter that game, honestly, with the mindset of, well, guys, if you don't win this game, then you weren't destined or deserving of a Big Ten title in the first place. That's the kind of game, especially given the circumstances now, that you simply cannot lose. Ken Palm still has that as a one-point loss, but that doesn't factor in everything else that has happened in the last 24 hours. So I think that you win that game. I think your backcourt is better than theirs. I think Kofi and Dickinson, they'll have a good battle back and forth. But Diabate was the guy that scared the crap out of me. And I am presuming that after he threw some punches of his own, he is going to get a couple games out himself, as he should. So Illinois beats Michigan as I sit here on this Monday morning. And then you enter the final week, Penn State and Iowa at home. Now, there will be a weird nervous energy. If you win these two games and you enter that final week just having to win Penn State and Iowa games at home, I'm going to have that little tingle in my stomach entering the State Farm Center. And that's a good tingle, right? But I've never had that before because we've never had a situation like this before where you can lock up a Big Ten title with two wins at home. If I go back to 1998, and, and maybe, oh gosh, 98, it's weird. I don't know if that was right before I got really, really into Illinois basketball and started remembering every game. I think the Big Ten tournament in 99 was really when I decided I'm going to be gung-ho every single game, remember every detail. The 98 team may have clinched it at home, though actually now that I think about it, no, they clinched it because Purdue won at Michigan State. So we had to wait that result out. Michigan State had a banner ready to go 
ready to unfurl at the top of the Breslin Center, and then Purdue won there. So thank you, Purdue, a team that beat Illinois nine times in a row with Brian Cardinal. Actually did us a favor, helped us win a title. 2001, you won at Minnesota. It was a tricky game, but you got the win. 2002 was the Frank Williams shot, and kind of a furious comeback late. 2004, you clinched it on the road at Purdue, right? The Luther had put back. Great game. I think it went OT. Nick Smith, I think, hit some big threes for you, if I recall, in that game. 05, I mean, God, you clinched that thing pretty early. So it, it was, oddly enough, kind of anticlimactic because you had bigger fish to fry that year than just a Big Ten title. By that point, it was old hat. You know, winning a Big Ten title was just what Illinois did their fifth and seven years, or fifth and eight seasons. So it's been since 05 that you've won a Big Ten regular season title, though I know we would all make the argument for last year. So in my lifetime, Clinching a Big Ten title at home, that's never happened, let alone having two games at home to end the year where it's sort of like a one-two-step process to close this thing out. That's Sunday against Iowa. I mean, just, just picture it for a second. How much fun that would be if we can go to the State Farm Center, sold out almost two years to the day of the last Iowa game at home. And I don't think that will be an easy game. You know, I was playing good ball right now, and we know that they can get red hot. I still like the matchup. I still think that ultimately you'd win that game. But that's going to be a high-octane two hours of the State Farm Center. And there's going to be moments where you might feel like you're holding on for dear life. And I wonder if the team won't feel that as well. But this is where I want to get to the Michigan State game and why I am most encouraged entering the stretch. First off, This all might sound ridiculous after the three podcast stretch from Purdue, Northwestern to Rutgers. I was very down on this team because they were underachieving. And for an old team, I really hated what I was seeing mentally from them. You know, stupid basketball is one thing, but the lethargic nature of the Northwestern and Rutgers games were inexcusable. Well, I would like to think the Michigan State game is reversing that trend. And that we can look back on that Northwestern Rutgers dip or the second half of Purdue, that dip as the aberration. And these are the ebbs and flows of a season. I thought that the Purdue-Maryland stretch earlier this year, that was the aberration. And and this team is unfortunately going to be prone to that. And that could happen in the NCAA tournament. That could happen in the next four games. But what encouraged me the most about the Michigan State game, the energy was there from the outset. But not only that, you closed out that game. And let me explain. Tyson Walker gets his. 20 points in the second half. He was red hot. He had a Demetric Trice kind of thing like we saw last year at the Kohl Center. On offense, you were getting bucket after bucket. Kofi was a closer. Trent with the dagger. Equally impressive to what Tyson Walker was doing was the fact that on the road, in the middle of that blitz, you kept your head about you and you got the shots to win. There were moments where I thought we were going to lose that game. And they bucked the trend. They closed it out, and that's what an old team should do. And this is where the age of this team, I think, lends itself well to these final four games. You even heard Underwood. They posted a video, as they often do, after wins. He goes in the locker room. They have to bleep out three (laughs) F-words. So that was the kind of atmosphere it was in there. And he even said, four more to go. I know he says at press conferences that we don't really focus on on the Big Ten title. It's the game in front of you. He says all the right things, right? But I do wonder, behind closed doors, how much they're talking about a Big Ten title. And I actually got to think quite a bit. Now that it's within reach, and it's tangible, and it's right there, they got to be talking about it more. And the path is right in front of them. Four games that they will be favored in all four of them. 
probably by five or six points. Ohio State, I imagine like a five or six point spread. I imagine the Michigan game, I don't know, maybe more like two and a half or three, but given everything going on with Michigan, you'll be favored in that game. Penn State, probably closer to double digits, and then Iowa, probably seven or eight. You're going to be favored in all these games, and now it's just a matter of taking care of business. There's no miracle win that needs to happen here. It is simply a matter of going out there and executing and beating teams that you are better than every single one of these teams. And I say that as someone that was so freaking down on this team, and trust me, that switch can flip if they come out and lay they lay an egg in these last four games, or most importantly, in the NCAA tournament. They can piss me off very quickly. But we know that the floor can be so high if they just play hard. It sounds so simplistic. But against Michigan State, that's what they did. They played hard. And actually, they played relatively clean ball, too. I think eight turnovers and only two from the guys in the backcourt. None for Trent. If they play hard in these next four games, I think they win all four. I think they would have to get in their own way for them to lose one of these four games. And I'm trying to make sure that that's not too bold of a statement, but God dang, just play hard and the championship is there for you. For a bunch of 22 and 23-year-olds, that has to mean something. So I'm ultimately optimistic. The Michigan State game did wonders for me. And actually the ending, I don't view so much as a close call as, wow, you close that out despite a crazy flurry of shots from Tyson Walker. Yeah, I'm not sure why Trent wasn't put on him earlier. I, I look back at some of those plays, and I thought Corbello did okay. You know, like, he's not a great defender. We know that. But I don't think Corbello was so much the fault as you probably just should have put Trent on him earlier. And Trent was on him for that last shot before you closed it out. So in this four-game stretch, the trickiest game to me is still Michigan because it's on the road. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see a game similar to Michigan State on the road where you can control that game. If you get out to a good start and you get a lead, Michigan's offense is not really prone to going red hot. They did against Purdue a few weeks ago, but other than that, this is a Michigan team that has been very erratic offensively. Yeah, they got 84 at Iowa. Who doesn't score 84 against Iowa? But Wisconsin brought them back down to earth. Ohio State at home a couple weeks ago, or I guess just eight days ago, they only scored 57 points. So this is a Michigan team that when they are not clicking and when they aren't shooting well, and by the way, they are not a really good shooting team, 33% from three in the year, 191st in the nation. That's not very good. I got to think that you can take care of business, kind of like what we saw Wisconsin did yesterday. And that's still the game that scares me the most. You know, I, I think everything out there is right in front of you at home, three teams that you should beat and you have pretty good matchups against. So here we are, right? After all of this, the, the rigmarole of the Purdue-Northwestern-Rutgers stretch, where I was as down on this team as anybody. It's amazing the difference a game can make, but it is all the intangible things in that game that make me much more optimistic going forward. All right, I am now, what, 30 minutes into this podcast. I don't know if any news is broken about Jawan Howard. We're going to do some live sleuthing here. <laughs> on Twitter to see, and I don't see anything, and it will probably come out the minute that I publish this stupid thing. But we will see. And if we're just looking at it from the perspective of Illinois and the remaining schedule, it actually works out quite beautifully. I'm okay with that. And again, it's not a moral or ethical thing against Juwan. I mean, I guess it kind of is. It's, hey, you're a head coach. You shouldn't be punching people. I guess that's the moral and ethical part, but that's not the thing that outrages me or bugs me about him the most. It is the hypocrisy 
and the fact that he just can't take accountability. I find him to be someone that, I don't know, he just bugs me to my core. Can I just be honest? He bugs me in a similar way that Izzo and his, you know, I'm, I'm the elder statesman of the Big Ten BS, despite the fact that he had plenty of skeletons in his closet, but he gets a pass. He bugs me in a way similar to Izzo. You know, I was talking with Trevor about this during the podcast Saturday. Fran McCaffrey doesn't bother me. Fran is genuinely crazy. <laughs> like he's, he's an angry man and he owns up to it. And all those histrionics, you know, yeah, it's all verbal and he'll slap the, the chair, but he's yet to throw a punch to my knowledge. Um, I don't think that's becoming of a coach either, but he is who he is. He's honest about it. So therefore I find it to just be kind of entertaining and goofy in a way. Fran McCaffrey is who he is, and he wears it on his sleeve, and I think it's kind of funny. Now, that might make me a hypocrite to say that Fran doesn't bother me as much as a guy like Jawan Howard or a guy like Tom Izzo. And by the way, it pains me in all of this that I would ever be perceived to be on the side of Greg Gard and Wisconsin basketball, the most boring, successful program out there. They bore me to tears. I cannot believe they're in position, and they probably will get at least a share of the Big Ten title. It makes me want to vomit. but. All that said, <laughs> Jawan should get fired, you know, and, and you guys can do the pretzel logic all you want as to why he shouldn't, and he probably ultimately won't, but it just seems fairly cut and dry to me. <laughs> oh, man. Twitter can be fun sometimes. I had fun with it yesterday. I found it cathartic because for a long time I've been trying to figure out what is it about Jawan that bothers me, and I think I'm, I'm finally getting to the crux of it. But this is an Illinois podcast. And ultimately, we're in a good position right now. And don't blow it, guys. Don't blow it. That's one way to think of it. But the other one, the other way to think of it is go out there and get it. You know, go out there and get it. And I, I would be, I would love to be a fly in the wall of these practices this week. And I like that you get this extended time before Ohio State. It is a fairly quick turnaround before Michigan, but they got a gauntlet of games this week as well to make up for. So uh, ultimately, I think that's a wash. I don't think that Illinois will be tired and Michigan will be fresh. And then it leads to one week next week that would be a dream. I mean, if you think about it, you cannot draw up a better scenario than two winnable games at home. You win and you get a banner. And that is so freaking cool. So for this thing that we've been chasing, last year I was chasing it as a fan base and as a program, they were chasing that Big Ten banner. They got the tournament one. I got to think now that it's so close, they'll want it that much more. And I hope that the age of this team means that they won't play tight. Instead, they will play aggressive. If they are the aggressor in the next four games, they will win out and they will get a Big Ten title. I don't see a scenario where this team plays their asses off for four games in a row and doesn't win all four. So in that way, you do truly control your own destiny, and that's a good place to be. All right, going to get out of here a little bit shorter of a Monday morning podcast. Got to thank DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices. dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. 15 years in service, coming up on 16, actually. Now that I think about it, you can get a custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites like the Maui Wowie or Buffer Zone online at dpdoe.com. Got to thank 4th and Kirby online at 4th and Kirby.com for vintage-inspired Illini apparel, T-shirts, crew neck sweatshirts, and hoodies at 4th and Kirby.com. Rector Construction online at rectorconstruction.com. For all your home exterior project needs, get a free estimate today at rectorconstruction.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen, online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. 
Got to thank Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners with the 200 level. I'm not sure if we'll do another pod before the Ohio State game. I know that's a few days away. We'll certainly do one on Friday in the aftermath of that. And a Sunday, hoping to have Trevor and Isaac here in the basement studio to do a live pod of that game. And same thing for the Big Ten Tournament and then for the NCAA Tournament as well. So it's it's all right there coming up. And I hope the season can extend itself into late March April, maybe? I don't know. Listen, this team is still capable of laying an egg, but first things first. If they get a Big Ten banner, it takes a hell of a lot of pressure off of it for me. I can feel the weight on my shoulders, and this is self-inflicted, but the weight on my shoulders of so badly wanting something that, as a fan, I haven't experienced in 17 years. You get that, and there is a hell of a lot of pressure that goes off going into the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament. And you bet I would be frustrated with a bad loss in either one of those. But we'll have that banner. I want the tangible thing. I want the team to have it. I want this program, the fans to have it. So let's get it done. Four games, all winnable, 4-0, and you get a damn banner. Let's do it. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy this temporary warmth. And the weather on Thursday, I hope it's not a factor. A little bit of snow, but I don't give a crap. We're going. We're going to be there even if I have to put on ice skates to get there. We're going to do it, and it's going to be an amazing atmosphere at the State Farm Center. But yeah, take care, everybody. We'll see you later on this week, and the four-game march to the Big Ten title begins. It is the 200 level. Yeah.